Greetings, pals and gals. It's your old friend, Mr. Mark Rattledge, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified. And what you're about to listen to are two old podcasts from the Blog Talk radio days that I edited together and made one in which myself, Gavin Napier, and Pat Mullen previewed Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao. And then the second show is Robert Winfrey hosting myself and Pat Mullen as we reviewed Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao. And these shows took place at about... The first one was April 28th, 2015, and then the review of said fight was May 3rd, 2015. So, here we go. First up is the preview led by Gavin Napier in what was used to be the championship rounds. And then in the second part is an old 411 ground and pound radio show hosted by Robert Winfrey, where Pat Mullen and I review the fight. Hope you enjoy it. Well, this is tonight's subject matter is quite possibly the big softy that the industry could have tossed us. It is the much ballyhooed and long-awaited super fight. And if you believe a lot of the media, the last real money fight in boxing, more on that later. But Floyd Mayweather puts his undefeated record on the line against the man that many, many, many people have been clamoring for him to square off against for several years now, and that is the one and only Manny Pacquiao. Pat, we've touched on this at various times during previous editions of this show and what we think could possibly happen, what would have happened, what each guy's career has become as we've waited for this fight to develop. So I'm going to open with you. And just very simply, I'm not asking for a prediction yet, but at this point in each man's career, Floyd or Manny, who do you think is the better fighter? I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody who's ever heard me before to say Floyd Mayweather. And I honestly don't think it's that close. I just see in, in I see the deterioration. Go ahead, Pat. I'll let you finish. I've seen greater deterioration in Manny, and I think the most obvious criteria for that would be that the man has not only lost but he's lost in clear-cut, dominant fashion via the KO. And say what you want to about Floyd, the O still stands. It's hard to argue with being undefeated, even if people have accused Mayweather at times of hand-choosing opponents. Um, And again, this is something that we can get into over the course of the next hour because I'm not sure that I I completely agree with that sentiment, at least not to the complete uh, degree that people seem to want to paint the picture for Floyd. Mark, I know you're typically an MMA guy, and I know that you follow boxing, but you follow MMA much more fervently. When's the last time mixed martial arts, UFC, um, Sherdog or, or any of any of the larger MMA organizations we've had over the last decade or so. When was the last time we had an MMA fight 
that approached this level of hype as we're getting for Pacquiao and Mayweather? Oh gosh, um, I, I, I think in, you know the, the problem is, and I will try to answer you as best I can and as succinctly as I can. But people are talking as if after this fight, boxing is going to fall off a cliff. Like you, you know, like that's it. You'll never get another fight on pay per view again. Um, you know, this is the last great matchup in boxing history, and then after that, everything kind of dissipates into the ether. And no one's ever said that about MMA. <laughs> no one's ever said, hey, you know, it's, it's UFC 100, Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir, and after that, it's all going away. It's, it's, they're done. They've peaked. Um, that never happened. So it, it's kind of an apple-oranges comparison. But I will tell you, I would, you know, just based on Gates and where the UFC has managed to, to climb, I would tell you... Um, there's been a couple. Uh, I think the first one that comes to mind is George St. Pierre versus Jake Shields. Now, say what you want about the fight itself, but Jake Shields was the uh, strike force uh, middleweight champion. He was coming in at welterweight. He, uh, he, he had beaten Dan Henderson. Again, say what you will about that. He was a ballyhooed contender you know, and the guy people thought might take the belt off George St. Pierre. And whether or not people truly bought into the Jake Shield hype, what it did produce was, what it did allow the UFC to do was go to Toronto and have the biggest gate they've ever had. And I don't think they've ever topped it. Um, so I guess that's my best answer to your question. You know, in terms of, you know, who were the best, who were the, the best two athletes the best two UFC fighters, um, you know, what's the super fight? It never happened, and it's never going to happen. Uh, it, it was George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. And the closest we came was the George St. Pierre uh, dirty stand-in, Nick Diaz, <laughs> um, and versus Anderson Silva. And they did a respectable gate and a respectable number on pay-per-view. And then they both managed to fuck up their, uh, their drug tests. So there you go. Pat, in the spectrum of boxing super fights, and we'll limit this to the modern era because I don't, I don't know that rightfully we can compare anything that takes place in the modern era to things like Ali and Frazier, uh, where you have two legitimate all-time greats going at it and it's drawing worldwide interest without the benefit of pay-per-view and things of that nature. So for the modern era, where does... Where does Mayweather Pacquiao fit into the pantheon of super fights such as Tyson Holyfield or Lennox Klitschko or um, even Hagler Hearns or Hagler Leonard? Where where does Mayweather and Pacquiao fit in among those? In terms of its significance, it, I think it's arguable that it stands above all. I think the only thing in, in and if you want to call 30-some-odd years recent history, I think you would have to go back to Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler, where you had the one and one A guys of their era finally step into a ring together after realistically about a five year uh, wait period for people, which included uh, you know multiple retirements from Leonard and you know uh, some chicanery going on or here and there. The fight will happen. The fight won't happen. We have to look at it 
strictly from an economic standpoint, is clearly the biggest of them all. And that includes Tyson Holyfield, which people would always assume was going to be the biggest gate when it happened, which, again, was another fight we got five years after it should have happened because of Mike Tyson's conviction and jail sentence. And, you know, this, this waiting and waiting for something to happen and getting it after it should have is unfortunately a pattern we see develop a lot. But as the old saying goes, better late than never. But... If you're talking in terms of the significance and the legacies involved, I think its only competitor is Leonard Hagler. And from an economic standpoint, it doesn't get any bigger than this. Can I ask a question about that? If you were sure. to apply, if you were to apply, um, uh, what do you uh, God, when money doesn't earn as much inflation. Thank you. In terms of inflation, if you were to pl- apply that to some of the biggest fights in boxing history, would you have to re-rank this, or is this still, even accounting for inflation, even accounting for the ability to see the thing, you know, t- televisions and gates and all of that, um, it was the, the only was thing- a fight that literally maximized the amount of eyeballs it, could, it possibly could in its era? The only thing that I can think of, and Pat, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the only fight that I can think of that would approach this in terms of uh, revenue, if we're adjusting for inflation, would be the Tyson-Holyfield fight. Yeah, that's that's about the closest. Uh, and then you'd really have to go back in history to things like uh, Dempsey-Carpentier, which was the first million-dollar-plus gate in boxing history, which was fought in, you know, the 19, the, the early 1900s. And, uh, you know, but just think about this, okay? Ticket prices for this fight, not at, not at aftermarket value, which is significantly more, but at actual retail ticket box office window value, the cheapest tickets to get were $1,500 a pop. So if you get the best tickets possible, to get the best tickets possible, it's $10,000 per ticket. And this is at the MGM Grand? In Las Vegas. Hotel rooms in Las Vegas currently. For one night, Saturday night, the average, not, not highest, the average is $1,000 for the night in a just a hotel room, not a suite, not any kind of grand room, a just a regular average hotel room is $1,000. The following day... The average price will drop to two hundred dollars a night. Sure. My God. <laughs> They've already the the betting windows, the sports books at the casinos have already confirmed that they're projected to get more bets on this fight than on the past two Super Bowls. That's that's a staggering statistic in and of itself. Real quickly, looking at the top gates in boxing history, not adjusted for inflation, and this leads directly into something that I want to talk to you guys about. We have uh, number one, Floyd Mayweather versus Canelo Alvarez. Uh, It made a gate of just over $20 million with an attendance of 16000 Number two on the list is Floyd Mayweather versus Oscar De La Hoya, made a gate of $18.4 million with an attendance of just over 15000 Then we have Lennox Lewis versus Evander Holyfield, the rematch, with a gate of $16 million in 1999. Then Floyd Mayweather versus Marcos Maidana, a $15 million gate. Uh, Floyd Mayweather versus Marcos Maidana, 
The rematch had a $14.9 million gate. Uh, and then we start dropping into Manny Pacquiao and De La Hoya at number six. The Holyfield Tyson matches at seven and eight. Tyson at number nine. We see Floyd again at number 12. Manny at number 13. Floyd again at number 15. Marquez versus Pacquiao, four at number 16. Mayweather versus Hatton, number 18. Mayweather versus Robert Guerrero at number 19. Floyd Mayweather versus Victor Ortiz at number 21. My point here is one of the points of contention over the negotiation for this fight is the revenue split. And that became a much less uh, salient point for Manny Pacquiao after suffering what I thought was a career-ending and life-threatening knockout in a recent fight. But when one man is clearly the larger pay-per-view and live attraction, which in this case Floyd Mayweather is, is there really any room for negotiation on Manny Pacquiao's side if Floyd says, hey, this is going to be a 70-30 purse split because I'm commanding most of the attention? Mark, what are your thoughts on that? Well, before the before the Bradley loss, which I'm going to go on record as once again saying I don't think I don't think Bradley really won that fight. And before the uh, the knockout, I think logically Floyd Mayweather would have had a point. I think you know if you, if you're just going strictly based on numbers, um, and you take pride and emotion out of it, sure. Uh, any I think any rational person looks you know lo- looks at the numbers and and they 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 speak truth. Um, however, Manny Pacquiao is a man. He he has he he has genitalia, he has pride, he has emotion, and I'm sure he feels like he brings enough to the table to command more of the purse. Now, after losing his title to Bradley and after being knocked out, I, obviously he's come to his senses and realized he doesn't bring as much to the table. He isn't he isn't the attraction he used to be. So obviously. I mean, the fight's happening. That's happening this Saturday. So he, so at some point, he had to have a come to Jesus moment or whatever deity he believes in, and says, "Okay, well, you know, things aren't what they used to be, and so I, I have to take less of a thing." And I think at this point, it's you know, the other side of pride being, I just want to knock this fucker out, and if I have to, if, you know, if I have to take a dollar to do so, I, I want to do it, but just just to say I did it before it's too late. I think there's also the realization that 40%, 30%, whatever whatever piece of the pie that he gets from this fight in terms of revenue is still going to be far and away the largest payday of his career, which is not insignificant considering that he's also been in some of the top 10 highest grossing fights of all time. Pat, we've talked at length at various points about the negotiations between these two, and by and large, we lean more towards Mayweather's argument that it's not unreasonable to request Olympic-style blood testing. It's not unreasonable for him to, to demand the lion's share of the purse split. Uh, but there are a lot of people that believe that, that Floyd has used these as excuses to avoid fighting Manny Pacquiao. I'm going to ask you to play devil's advocate because I know how you genuinely feel about it. But uh, for the other side of the argument, what is one thing that you could find fault with Floyd with over the course of these negotiations that have stalled this fight for so long? I think in any negotiation, there's give and take. You know, you all, you make an initial offer that's a lowball offer, that offer is rejected and given a counter offer, and you meet somewhere in the middle. 
one person does not get to dictate all the shots in a negotiation that or otherwise it's not a negotiation. That's just a demand that has to be met. Floyd, in terms of the main issue with the main two issues, which were the drug testing and the purse split, Floyd was not negotiable. Floyd was, this is, these are your terms. You accept these or it's not happening. And when you give ultimatums and dictate, it's not likely that you're going to get the result of a cooperation between parties and whatever was being planned isn't going to happen. So there's the argument that when Floyd made the decision to dictate to Manny what the terms were going to be and not be open to any sort of wiggle room on them, that he was doing it deliberately, that he knew that Manny, even just as Mark brought up, Manny's a man, Manny has pride. Manny's not a, Manny's a superstar in his own right. He's not going to be told how things are going to be by anybody, okay? He, he's going to be taken into consideration in this, and this is a two-way street. And I think people have used that argument, and there's, there's, I'm sure there's merit to it, that because Floyd tried to dictate the terms, not negotiate, he didn't really want it to happen because he figures, man, he's got pride. He's not going to accept this. But if I say I make the offer, they can't say I didn't. I think that's a fair point. And, again, I, by and large, I do think that Floyd, the ball was definitely in his court and he could call most of the shots. But I, I will agree with what you're saying, that there does have to be some some semblance of give and take, and I'm not sure that Floyd was interested in give and take, not because I think he was using it as an excuse to avoid Manny Pacquiao. I just don't think give and take is something that's in Floyd Mayweather's personality. Floyd wants things the way he wants them. And he's very much become a trendsetter or a potential trendsetter for boxing because of that. Because, and Mark, I'm not sure how aware of this you are, but Floyd Mayweather is his own promoter. He he is not beholden to Dan Goosen or Don King or Oscar De La Hoya. He he does not owe a share of his purse or his pay-per-view revenue to anyone other than himself and his staff. And so by doing this, you know, Floyd has obviously set a standard for other fighters if they are brazen enough to do so. I personally I think getting the promoters out of the way and having a lot of guys that are calling their own shots and doing what they feel is best for them could be very beneficial for the sport. What what is your opinion, Mark, on how Floyd has handled his career and do you think we'll see anybody in combat sports, boxing or MMA be able to put themselves in a position of marketability and, and leverage to do that successfully in the near future? Well, first I want to say um, musicians got there first. Musicians uh, left the, left the, um, the music companies behind and started producing and funding their own records. And especially with the, with the advent of you know, streaming music and all of that, they've, a lot of them have abandoned the traditional music industry uh, and taken their own careers by the horn. So Mayweather is just following in a long line of the DIY mentality. Do it yourself. But you can't do that unless, you, unless your brand is marketable. Mayweather, you, know, you call him a trendsetter, Mayweather is a brand. And he's a highly marketable brand. He's a highly sought-after brand. So he can afford to do this. People, people want to buy Mayweather, um, whether it's to see him lose or to see him win. 
Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is a brand. People want to people want to see Brock Lesnar the attraction, whatever he's doing, whether it be wrestling, MMA, juggling. He has successfully turned himself into a a brand, a marketable brand. And um, the problem with the problem with that though is you have to do the work and go out there and and make yourself marketable beyond the thing that is that you do. So in other words, part when we talked about this offline um, during the whole MMA and boxing is dead debate, and I said, the problem with modern MMA, and I think the problem with modern boxing, outside of a few examples, Mayweather being one of them, is that the guys themselves are not marketable brands. They are um, sort of nameless, faceless, uh, bodies doing a thing that is marketable. Um, in MMA, the most marketable brand is the UFC. People go, and I'm going to use Florida as an example. People went to uh, a UFC on Fox branded show in Orlando and bought tickets and sold the thing out without knowing what a single fight was going to be. Okay, um, so places that are you know, starved for MMA, people that want to see MMA and want to see the UFC when it comes to town, will go and buy tickets for those events without knowing any fighters on there. And even after they've set the card, which ended up being Travis Brown versus Fabricio Verdum in a number one contender's bout for the heavyweight title, and it was kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, ha-hum. And then the co-main event, I think, was Misha Tate versus... Um, uh, what's her face? The lesbian that Ronda Rousey fought in her first fight in the UFC, um, the Marine. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, um, yeah, the Miz. Uh, you know, they were the co-main event, and again, it was okay. Um, but pe- but it didn't matter because you were there to see the UFC. WWE mostly the same thing, outside of a few names, John Cena being one of them. People buy tickets well in advance of whatever it is is being going to be going to be shown at that show because they want to see the WWE. Um, so you asked me about boxing. Could boxers go the Floyd Mayweather route, uh, the Brock Lesnar route, and you know it will even go as far as say the John Cena route and become a marketable entity unto themselves and promote themselves and take the middlemen out of it? Sure, but you have to be relentless. The reason why, and I'll take John Cena being a good example of this, John Cena is the most um, marketable uh, known face in professional wrestling because he made himself that way. He went on every show. He went on every talk show. He, you know, he, he made himself, he put himself in front of every camera that was willing to shoot him. And that was it. He wrestled in every show possible. Um, obviously, you know, doing the thing he gets paid to do, but he also made himself a household name in people's homes. I mean, people think wrestling, they think Hulk Hogan, they think Steve Austin, they think The Rock, they think John Cena. Um, boxers, first of all, you have to win. You have to win, you have to be entertaining, you have to be personable. Nobody likes a vanilla midget, right, Pat? You know, you have, Absolutely. You have, you have to have a personality that people can tap into. You know, I used, I used bands before. People have to like your music first. Well, people have to be drawn to you. People are drawn to Mayweather. My wife and I hate him, but we are drawn to him because there isn't a single other boxer that we would pay $100 to watch get beaten. 
And that is what you have to do as an entity. You have to go out there and create awareness. You have to create either massive likability or dislikability. And then, you know, you have to do things that are going to make, that, that are going to drive your price up. And that's, I think, the magic of this whole Pacquiao uh, Mayweather fight is that by waiting as long as they did, this was five years earlier, I think, and maybe you guys disagree with this, but I think if this is five years earlier, they don't make nearly as much money. I think they make a lot of money. I think they make a shitload of money, but I don't think they make as much. I think this is, if you've ever seen the episode of South Park, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, this is Cartman shuts down the, uh, the amusement park. And when no one could get in, everyone wanted in. Where prior to that, no one was coming when it was open. By pushing this off and pushing this off and pushing this off, you, you, know, you create a situation where he's had five years now more worth of fights. He's won five years now more worth of fights. Pacquiao has lost two fights. Um, that increases, I think, the intrigue. That certainly increases the price tag. I don't know if five years ago he could have gotten $100 for a pay-per-view. So I think, I think above all else, love him and hate him, and God knows I'm not a fan of the guy, he, is a, he has brilliantly marketed his own brand. But that, and my last line on this is, but it's not easy, and it takes work, and it takes the ability to live on camera. Because if nobody sees you doing it, the tree does not make a sound. Pat, many Pacquiao's marketability has largely come through his blood and guts battles with seemingly every Mexican fighter within three weight classes, or not necessarily Mexican, but Latino uh, fighter within three weight classes of, of his optimal weight. And primarily, we think of what may be the greatest rivalry in boxing history with Manny Pacquiao and Juan Manuel Marquez, but there's also the fights with Marco Antonio Barrero, with Oscar De La Hoya, with Eric Morales, with Juan Diaz. You know, he's he's made his living as a blood and guts, power puncher, go out on his shield type of guy, whereas Floyd Mayweather's biggest rivalry has been with history. Why do you think that's true of Mayweather, and, and what separates him from having the rivalries that that Manny has had? that have endeared him so much to fans? You know, I think Emmanuel Stewart probably pointed out best what separates a guy like Floyd from popular uh, opinion publicly from guys who, say, were from the Fab Four era of Hearns, Leonard, Duran, and Hagler, is that those guys, despite knowing their standing, despite knowing the risks involved, they made no bones about going in there and trying to finish a fight and put it on and, you know, put themselves at risk in order to do it. And that led to a heightened sense of excitement, a heightened sense of what would ha what could possibly happen. It led to spectacular results like the first round of Hagler Hearns, which is still considered by many as the greatest first round of a fight you'll ever see. Uh, great finishes like Leonard Hearns won, uh, you know, uh, just oh, spectacular knockouts like Hearns Duran and Floyd for all his talent, for all his skill, because his fights have not been as competitive of those as those guys, because a, his skill level seems to be that much higher than that of his opponents as if he's just too good for his own era in many ways. And two, Floyd is not a guy who takes risks. 
it's how he's been able to maintain a perfect record and people will criticize him about that and for that, that he wasn't willing to take the risks. But at the same time, it hasn't hurt him in any way other than popular public opinion. And those popular public opinion people who want to tear him down and deride him as not being on the level of a Leonard or a Hagler are the people who don't know anything about boxing by and large other than the popular names of a past era and don't study the sport and don't pay any attention to it, where I think the, the real pundits of boxing will give him his due as one of the great fighters of all time and certainly on that level. They may not respect his lack of willingness to go finish a fight when he doesn't really have to, but that's his prerogative, and if you don't like it, don't pay. And apparently enough people like it that it's made him the richest fighter in the sport and the richest athlete in the world. Pat, let me let me throw this at you, and I want if you I want to see if you agree or disagree, and um, if you can take it maybe a step further. Floyd Mayweather is to boxing what George St. Pierre is to MMA, especially in in the eyes of those of the fans. Uh, I, I mean, I think he is greater in terms of his talent level and ability in his milieu than what George had in his to just distinguish that part to begin with. But I do agree that the comparison is valid because George was a guy who, you know, did not take risks in his fights by and large and was so much better than the opposition he was facing, not through any fault of their own. He was just a better equipped fighter that there was little they could do to stop him from taking them down and wrestling them and holding them in place and doing what he wanted to do over the course of 25 minutes of a fight. Uh, and he did not get very popular, uh, you know, popularly spoken about by fans for those performances where he seemingly coasted because he didn't get pushed and didn't have to do to go out and take a risk. But at the same time, he was winning all these fights. He was a name people recognized. And aside from, you know, the marketing of Floyd as marketing himself as the villain to be conquered, George never went that route, and perhaps if he had, maybe he'd have done better on pay-per-view, although he was one of the few consistently big draws the UFC had. So he did his part in that regard. So I think the comparison is very valid. And, Mark, in looking at these two men, because, again, while you're a fan of boxing, neither of us, and I'll, I'll absolutely throw myself in there, neither of us have the knowledge of the the technicalities and the the long, rich history of the sport that Pat does. Um, what is your perception of Floyd as a fighter, given that he doesn't always necessarily go for the knockout? I know that your your general distaste of Floyd probably has much more to do with his outside-the-ring sparring sessions with family members, but what's your perception of Floyd as a fighter? Do you see him as someone that's soft? Do you see him as a, a technical fighter that doesn't necessarily seek to end fights? I'm curious. Someone that leans more towards a casual fan than the hardcore fan and historian that Pat is, how you view Floyd as a fighter? Matt Damon's character in Goodwill Hunting. I think he's a brilliant fighter. I think he's so good, and he's so far superior to many of the boxers out there that he doesn't have to he doesn't have to put forth uh the kind of effort that we we as fans want to see 
And so he can go in there and dismantle a guy and make it look like the guy was a ham sandwich, you know? He's fighting the top boxers uh, of this age. He, he's not fighting cans, but he's dismantling them like, I mean, I guess he's had, he's had a few close ones recently, but for the most part, for the fights that I saw before I, I finally just gave up watching him fight was he would, dis, he would dismantle these people uh, and sleepwalk seemingly, seemingly, I understand he's not really sleepwalking, through these fights. Now, as a fan, that's frustrating. You know, I want a guy, uh, you know, I, wa- I want the guys that run, a, you know, run across the ring and, and, and go toe-to-toe. I want to brawl. I want to see, you know, I know Pat's probably listening to this going, oh, Jesus, this is like the old MMA show. But look, I, I want to be entertained. And I don't find Floyd entertaining. He's like, a, he's like, watching, a, uh, he's like watching a painting. It's beautiful. It's obviously full of rich and full of talent and a thing to behold. But I can only stare at a painting for so long because I got to move on and do something else. You know, I, I, I'm not known for spending hours and hours inside the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. I'm usually I'm there for an hour. I walk through the place and I'm done. It's just that's that's my experience with the Floyd Mayweather fights. It's I watch somebody who's clearly the best boxer in the world dismantling people uh, over the course of 12 rounds, and I ask myself, why couldn't you have done this faster? You know, if you're this good, get it done faster, and that's probably not fair to ask of him. It's not my body being punched, but that's what ends up happening, and that's where I'll... My, now, my wife just thinks he's obnoxious, <laughs> you know, and, and thinks he, he's, he's, you know, like a terrible... Uh, role model for, for kids and all of that. That's sort of where she's coming oh, yeah, from. Absolutely but, is. But, you know, for me, it's more of, I know that there's a warrior in there somewhere, but you're not being challenged enough for it to come out. And so I go back to what I initially said. I feel like he's the Matt Damon character from Goodwill Hunting. You're a genius, but you're choosing to be a janitor because yeah. reasons. Pat, in in thinking about these two men with with the incredible athletic ability and, and the boxing superiority that Floyd Mayweather Jr. has combined with the stopping power that Manny Pacquiao has, if you could, if you could cram these guys together, would you end up with a prime Roy Jones Jr.? Well, let's let's talk about the stopping power for a moment because. One of the things that I, I'm, I wanted to bring up, and I'm, I'm kind of going to do it indirectly here, but people keep talking about Manny Pacquiao as a knockout artist, the guy who finishes fights, whereas Floyd is a guy who does not finish fights. Can anyone tell me the last time Manny Pacquiao scored a knockout victory? Not off the top of my head. I could not, no. Uh, I'm, I'm playing producer tonight, so you continue and I will look it up. Fair enough. I, I don't necessarily think you produce Roy Jones um, solely because I think that Roy, he had Miguel the stopping Cotto power, but didn't use it. That was the last knockout yeah. win for Pacquiao, Miguel Cotto, 2009. Oh, you totally stole yes. the thunder there. 
Yeah, so just to my point, for all the, the talk of Pacquiao the Destroyer and the knockout artist, he hasn't stopped anybody in six years. And the last guy he did stop was weight drained because he had got to agree to a catch weight to fight Manny. But, you know, to your question, does that create a, a prime Roy Jones Jr.? I, I would say no, solely because I think that a prime Roy Jones Jr. wasn't really stopping that many guys either. And I, I think he, he was another guy who got very quickly into the coasting mode, just like Floyd. But the difference is, as opposed to Floyd, who mocks his opponents and does undesirable things outside of the ring, Roy would do these things inside the ring to belittle his opponents and produce an entertaining show for the crowd, like putting his hands behind his back and daring his opponent to hit him, countering with a right hand and knocking him down, or which is he refers to in his song, Y'all Must Have Forgot, as a sucker move I stole off a Gamecock. Yeah. So I think really... Roy was more of a showman than either of these guys are in the ring. And I don't, I don't think at his best, he was capable of what these guys were at their best. Fair enough. Uh, Mark, we've spent a lot of time talking about Floyd tonight and, and not a lot talking about Manny specifically. And I, again, I think that's because Floyd is the bigger star and the bigger uh, draw of interest in this fight. But as far as Manny goes, both of these guys have several Hall of Famers on their resume. And I ask you, you know, what's sort of the casual view of, of Floyd Mayweather? Given Manny's history of, you know, in his, at his very best, uh, even though his his power, his punching power has seemingly diminished at his very best, Pacquiao did produce quite a high number of stoppages against high-level opponents. What's the general perception of Manny Pacquiao, you know, six years after his last knockout win? I think he's the perennial good guy. I think um, the view of Pacquiao is, you know, with that, you know, Pat brought up a good point. Like, oh, people are always saying, oh, he's the perennial knockout artist and he hasn't knocked anybody out since 2009. But never let facts get in the way of a good story. And so, you know, and remember, in this, in this whole tale of, of Mayweather and Pacquiao, he's the guy that's been put upon. Um, I think when you ask most people about it, they, you know, without really getting into the details, I think the sort of layman understanding of what's happened is Mayweather was, uh, Mayweather had too many demands and, you know, and, and he's the one that caused this fight not to happen. And so even whatever whatever you think about Manny Pacquiao, that engenders a lot of hate towards Mayweather. Um, I think, you know, Manny Pacquiao is the guy with, 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 the, with the really nice voice, you know, and the singing, and he's a politician in the Philippines. And when have you ever heard of anything bad that Manny Pacquiao has done? He I is think not Pacquiao. in the Philippines, Mark. He is a demigod in the Philippines. Yeah, that's, my, that's kind of my point. You don't hear Manny Pacquiao... First of all, Manny Pacquiao... Not paying his taxes. I was going to say, Manny Pacquiao also didn't have to go to prison or jail, which yes. I don't know how, how much time Mayweather got. It was under a year it was jail. Um, but, you know, Manny Pacquiao didn't have to serve time. Manny Pacquiao doesn't have a history of domestic violence. Manny, <laughs> Manny Pacquiao isn't involved in shootouts. So it's not hard for people to, you know, to find him likable. 
one question for each of you before we get into predictions for the fight and then plug what's going on with the network and, and everything else. Pat, um, we'll start with you. What's more concerning for you between these two fighters as we head into the super fight? The fact that Floyd May- Mayweather allowed a guy like Marcos Maidana to hang around in their first matchup and and give people cause to question the outcome somewhat and, and clamor for a rematch? Or Manny Pacquiao almost dying in center ring? And I know that seems like a, an exaggerated and harsh way to, to phrase this, but when I watched the knockout happen, we've talked about this, I thought the man was dead, and so did his wife. Um, but he seems to have bounced back from that as much as anyone can. But for the two fighters, which one concerns you more as far as their ability slipping going into the super fight? To me, I have to go with Manny's loss at the hands of Juan Manuel Marquez in such devastating fashion. And the reasoning behind it is the reason Manny lost the way he did to Marquez is as you watch that fight play out and seemingly any of their fights between the four they had, Marquez finds success against Manny because while Manny is an aggressive, dynamic, offensive-minded fighter, he's had trouble with Marquez, who is a terrific and Hall of Fame-level defensive-minded counterpuncher. Now, Maidana gets lumped into the style by the casual viewer of Pacquiao because he's aggressive and comes forward and throws power punches, but stylistically, he's not very similar to Manny Pacquiao. Some may argue that that's a reason why Pacquiao may have more success against Floyd than anticipated. Some may say less. But stylistically, Juan Manuel Marquez brings the tools to the table that have shown to trouble Pacquiao and be capable of stopping Pacquiao. And that's what worries me if I'm going into this fight as far as who's slipped more down the slide to be knocked out by a defensive-minded counterpuncher who waited in for a right-hand opportunity, going into a fight now against arguably the best defensive-minded counterpuncher of the last century, who loves to throw a right-hand counter shot as many times as you will let him, that is a big concern going into this fight and potentially the biggest concern going into this fight. Mark, as you watch the publicity and everything over the next few days as we lead up to this fight between Floyd and Manny, what is the one thing that intrigues you most about the fight between a guy that's struggling and and chasing his right to, at least in his mind, be called the greatest pound-for-pound fighter of all time, and a guy who's been the people's champion of sorts, desperate to shut up the greatest heel that boxing has ever had. I think the intrigue is is simply seeing the two, and as far as I know, the two best guys in the sport um, have it out without either of them being too far, or if at all, past their prime. Um, Kind of unfortunate that Pacquiao has button pushed in recently, but, you know, shit happens. Uh, life's not perfect, but at least one of them is in coming out of retirement, you know, that sort of thing. Or this isn't, this isn't the grudge, uh, or grudge match, you know, where they're both, you know, in their fifties or sixties or whatever. 
um, there's no excuse not for, for this to be a blockbuster fight. Um, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I say that with somewhat, uh, <laughs> with some some degree of, um, you know, I. <laughs> I've seen, I've been, I've been led astray before and bought by boxing and this was promised to be gangbusters and, you know, and I fall asleep midway through it, but, you know, trepidation. Um, but I think, you know, how often do we get, we get, we almost never see in MMA, you know, how often do we get to see the two greatest guys in the sport, uh, the two greatest teams in the sport, you know, the two greatest anything in their primes go head to head for, you know, for it all. So I think, there's a novelty, there's a romantic novelty afoot here that draws me in. And that, and I want to see Pacquiao knock his fucking head off. Well, with that being said, Mark, we've got about 15 minutes left on the clock here. We've got some predictions to make. We, we've got some uh, plugs to throw in at the end of the show. So I'll go ahead and ask you, what is your prediction for Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao coming up this weekend? Um, I'm going to cheat and, do, and give you two predictions. Either Manny Pacquiao ends it early. I, I'm going to say 6th, uh, 7th, 8th round by knockout, or Floyd Mayweather wins by decision. So if, if I put a gun to your head and said pick one of the two, which one do you find to be more likely? Um, I'm a man of faith and I'm a man of hope. So Manny Pacquiao. By the way, before I have an, uh, an uh, before I lose an opportunity to talk, I just want to say for all the shit I get about heavyweights and stone, all this other stuff, no way, right? the Calypso Brian Jennings fight, highest numbers like ever on HBO for a free fight, one point seven million viewers. Apparently, Klitschko, uh Brian Jennings sold out at Madison Square Garden and brought the numbers home for HBO. So back at you, homies. Yeah, it's also the first time he's defended the heavyweight championship in America in close to a decade, and the first time one of his fights has been viewable on American television in just as long. So, no, no, it's kind of like, it's kinda like the Elvis comeback special. <laughs> no, he. If you have epics, he's had plenty of fights. Uh, he, for a while there, I thought you know he was never going to leave Germany. That's how many fights he's had there, and they were all on epics. So, and there was one had, on uh, ESPN. Was there? Yeah, uh, that was in uh, about a, about a year ago on ESPN on a Saturday afternoon because I was at a wedding that day and left early to catch it. Are you sure it wasn't HBO? Because that was the one where he fought the British asshole. No, I'm absolutely. It was a Samoan fella he fought and dispatched in very short order. Okay, the David Hay the David Hay fight then within the last couple of years was on HBO and that was actually that actually ended and then a UFC pay per view started. And that one, I think, was actually in what England, if I remember correctly. Anyway. David Hay is. Uh, but looking, looking ahead to this Saturday, you, you have Floyd Mayweather, you have Manny Pacquiao. Uh, I don't know if they're still the two best fighters in the world, but they're certainly the two biggest names in boxing at this point. This is one of the last true super fights we're going to have for a while. I don't think it's the last one we'll ever have, but I think it's the last super fight that we're going to have for a while until a couple of guys build their brand up. What's your prediction for the fight? 
the first four rounds of this fight will play out very evenly. Uh, and I think there's the potential of Manny being able to drop Floyd early because I feel earlier in the fight, he will have a hand speed advantage, which is something Floyd is not used to dealing with. And as we saw with Zab Judah can trouble him, especially from a Southpaw as Manny is. I think in rounds five through eight, you'll see Floyd start to establish uh, his analyzation technique at play and start to break down where Manny had success and start taking it away from him. I think that round nine, you'll see Floyd kind of take the round off and rest a little bit and Manny start to come on a little bit more because he's got the opportunity to do so. And I think in round 10, he'll have an inflated sense of confidence that will lead to him walking into some hard counter shots that will hurt and stagger and stun him, not finish him. But I think the finish comes in the 11th when Floyd hurts him again and decides that it's time to close the show because this is the most important fight of his career. Does not want to leave it in anybody's hands if he has the opportunity to do to not to not have to. And I think he closes the show on Manny in the 11th round. Final question for both of you. If Floyd wins this fight against Manny Pacquiao, is he the best fighter pound for pound of all time in public perception? If he loses this fight, is he considered to be generally the fraud that many of his detractors think he has been? Mark, you first. I'm 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 gonna cheat here and defer to Pat. Pat, go. If he wins this fight, in terms of public perception, will he be the best ever? Only to a small few. There's largely public perception will always put Muhammad Ali as the greatest of all time, however inaccurate that is. Uh, and, and nobody will ever take that away uh, unless they become this not only boxing-centered you know, universe where everything in boxing seemingly revolves around him, but becomes this political figure, this social figure, everything involved that inflates his... You know, his worth to boxing to people because he's a political and public figure outside of the realm of the sport too. Uh, so no, he will not, he will not take that title if he wins. If he loses, will he be called out as a fraud by the majority of people? If it is a legitimate loss where he is either knocked out or clearly loses a decision, he will absolutely be called out by people who will of course be wrong, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. Well, for what it's worth, my two cents on this fight is I I, I think that Floyd cruises. I don't think that he gets greedy and goes for the knockout. Um, I, I think Floyd establishes a pattern of dominance through footwork, his jab, counterpunching, and I honestly just think he has more left in the tank than Manny Pacquiao at this point. I, I think both guys are slightly past their prime, um, I think that Manny Pacquiao allowing Timothy Bradley to hang around in a fight, no matter whether you think Bradley actually won the fight or not, uh, I think the fact that he let Timothy Bradley hang around in the fight is evidence of where Pacquiao is as a fighter. And as both of you know, and as many of our listeners will know from following combat sports, whether it's boxing, MMA, kickboxing, or other, devastating knockout losses have a psychological as well as physical effect on guys over the long term. It may not be readily evident in their behavior or even in the fights immediately following them. 
But what we know about brain injuries, concussions, and things of that nature, and as we learn more every day, we learn that these things do have lasting effects. Some of these effects include decreased reflexes. And uh, I honestly think that at this point in Manny's career, he is not as well equipped to deal with a near-prime Floyd Mayweather as he once would have been. I think five years ago, this is a 50-50 fight. I think now this is probably closer to an exhibition for Floyd. As long as he doesn't get caught napping by a bomb from Pacquiao, i like him to cruise to a wide unanimous decision. Uh, folks, that's pretty much it as far as our coverage of the fight. All right, everybody, welcome to part two of our doubleheader, hour two. Uh, this one is going to be all about last night's Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao fight of the century. And all that good stuff. I'm here more in a uh, contributor role than hosting. I'm bringing on the other two guys who know much more about boxing than I do. First up, making his return to the show he made famous, Supreme Overlord of the Radlich and Broadcasting Network, Mark Radlich. Mark, hi, how you doing? Boxing is dead. MMA is dead. Pro wrestling, dead. Marvel Comics, dead. It's all dead. Nobody gives a fuck. It's burn it all. There's nothing left. All there is, I don't even, is just all we're all going to do is sit and talk to our wives. That's what we're going to do from now on, uh, men, because there's no more sports. It's all dead now. That's that's Alrighty. the next weekend. Hi, Robert. How are you? Well, not too bad. All right. And uh, now for a pro Floyd Mayweather perspective, uh, the actual boxing aficionado on this particular group, uh, Pat Mullen, coming to us, coming back here to us. Pat, been too long. How are you doing? I promise not to break into a spontaneous routine of 80 sitcom themes as long as this goes well. Ooh, what you well, uh, I'm setting the over-under at 10 minutes. So make your bets, everybody. <laughs> uh, um, now, let me, uh, before we go any further... We, if you haven't heard our preview, um, our joint preview uh, of the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network and the Casual Heroes Presents the Championship Rounds, that's up in the archives right now. That was a more formal show. This one, this one's sort of an informal show. <laughs> uh, Gavin will be joining us later on after uh, after he is able to. Uh, so for right now, you've got myself and Pat, but um, other people may be uh, chiming in as well. And this is. This is what we like to call in a Rattledge and Broadcasting Network event session, <laughs> okay? We did this for WrestleMania uh, 30 after Brock Lesnar beat the streak. This is an opportunity for people to call in and just go, what the hell did I just see last night? So, <laughs> um, so uh, we, I mean, we are going to talk and analyze, but that's really what this is, a little, little in, more informal than you usually get here on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. Did we plug the call-in number enough times? I can do it one more time if you'd all like. For anyone just coming in after the theme music and you want to talk about May, about Mayweather and Pacquiao, the number is 323-657-0901. If you would like to call in using Skype, you have to be on the Blog Talk Radio player page. There's a nice little Skype icon. You click on it, three or four boxes of dialogue to click through, and you'll get brought up in the switchboard, and Mark will be screening calls tonight. So if you just want to yell something at him, you don't have to actually be on the air. Okay, um, let me, I'm going to just jump right out here. I want to set the tone here for you guys. 
because uh, you know we've all been talking, uh, casual heroes folks and the Rattlers and broadcasting folks. We share a a, a message box uh, on Facebook and we converse about a great many things. And we've been going back and forth about the whole. That's why I, I opened the way that I did about what last night meant to boxing overall. Uh, we talked about what people's impressions of last night. Um, were what the expectations were and how they, to some, were not met. You know, Pat's going to tell you uh, how great it, how great it all was, and he's going to tell you how how great Mayweather was and all of that. And I and I want him to do that, but I but I I got to set the tone here because it's, it's very frustrating for me, and that is this. There is, I think, there's two kinds of audiences for just about anything. There's the people that know a thing, and when you know when when you see a thing and the thing does you know and you're you're seeing the best of it uh there's those that can appreciate it on last podcast I, I compared uh boxing to kind of looking at looking at a painting and some people can stare at a painting and appreciate its beauty for hours on end and some and some of us can only stare at it for about 5 or 10 minutes and we have to move on in life um with with boxing, so, so people understand, and in MMA and anything else, you can see something done very, very well. You can see something that is technically the best you're ever going to see, but it doesn't. That doesn't necessarily always equate to fun. It doesn't necessarily always equate to entertaining. Now, if you appreciate, as to go back to the painting metaphor, if you appreciate art on a high level, you'll find it entertaining. But if you're somebody who doesn't, and, and you're looking for something else, you're not going to see the entertainment value in something that is at least technically superior. And I think, to me, that's the story of last night. Um, there's a lot of grousing about, you know, oh, this was supposed to be the fight of the century, and it was Floyd Mayweather hugging and running and Manny Pacquiao, blah, blah, yakety, schmacky. Okay, it's still the fight of the century. It's the two best boxers of the modern era, squaring off for the first time for the last time. No matter how bad they performed or how good they performed or how how non-entertaining or how entertaining you you may have perceived it to be, it doesn't take away from the fact that it is still the fight of the century. It's the the two best guys head-to-head. Nothing can take away from that. Um, And I want to end this little rant here, and I'm going to throw it to Pat for some of his thoughts. Um, you know, people, some people's takeaway from last night is, well, that's it. And we've had, we've had now the one fight people were willing to pay a hundred bucks on pay-per-view for, and no one, no one will continue to care about boxing. And it's just not true. People, people are interested in boxing. This was one of the, I, I compared this to WrestleMania, you know, all year long, the WWE does X amount, but when it comes to WrestleMania, they do X times a hundred because it's their, you know, it, it, it's their mega event, and you get this wide array of casual and hardcore fans. Well, this was the WrestleMania of boxing, and today and tomorrow we go back to our regularly scheduled Friday night fights and premier bodca- um, premier boxing on Spike and NBC. You know, and there'll be, there's all these other boxing shows, many of which will go under the radar, but people who enjoy boxing will watch them. And that's the reality of this. So 
I, I wanted to set the tone of this podcast with all of that. Pat, I'm going to throw it to you here for some actual analysis of the fights and any thoughts you had on the tone for which I have set. Where would you like me to begin, Mark? Anywhere you want, Pat. I literally threw you the mic. Do your thing. Do your dance quick. Well, Tell me what's the word. Let's start with the fight itself. For anybody who went into this fight looking for what Mark referred to as Roadhouse, uh, basically two guys standing there trading punch for punch, you have no idea what the hell you were ordering last night. This was not a case of ordering Tough Man and expecting the greatest slugfest you've ever seen. What you're ordering is a bruiser and a butterfly, as was pointed out earlier. You're ordering a guy who is known as an offensive, explosive fighter over the years, not in recent years, mind you, but a guy who's known as an action fighter, who is a guy who trades punches, against the best technician the sport has seen in a minimum of the last 25 years. So if you went into this thinking this was going to be Hagler Hearns, you had no idea what you were looking for, and you basically just threw $100 into something you had false expectations for for no other reason than you saw hype and got invested in it. As for the fight itself, if you listen to our previous podcast, both myself and Gavin Napier are of the belief that Manny Pacquiao had, for at least a period of time, been using performance-enhancing drugs. One of the things that struck me from last night's bout that lends credence to that theory is that no one going into this fight would have expected a higher work rate or punch output from Floyd Mayweather than Manny Pacquiao. That's what we got last night. We not only got a higher activity level, we got a higher accuracy level from Floyd Mayweather who landed more punches than Manny Pacquiao did in all of but two rounds. In 10 rounds of that 12-round fight, Floyd Mayweather landed more punches than Manny Pacquiao, which was not expected to happen. Manny Pacquiao, through 12 rounds, landed 81 punches in total. That's less than 10 punches a round on average. In only two rounds, he was able to land double-digit punches against Floyd Mayweather. What you saw was Floyd Mayweather executing a game plan that took away all of Manny Pacquiao's strengths. He did not allow Manny Pacquiao to attack wildly from different angles. When Manny Pacquiao tried to advance against him, he did so in, as Roy Jones beautifully pointed out, straight lines. So Floyd was able to use lateral movement to evade him. When Pacquiao did get Floyd to the ropes, particularly after he landed probably his best punch of the fight, a good straight left hand to the chin and chest area in the third round, he got Floyd to the ropes and opened up, but instead of being able to capitalize, he was only able to throw you know, a flurry that was mostly picked off on the elbows, shoulders, and gloves of Floyd Mayweather. And Manny himself realized it wasn't effective because he stopped and allowed Floyd to get off the ropes because he was punching himself out. As far as Floyd Mayweather, he controlled the distance by taking the center of the ring more often than not, which is crucial when you want to have distance control because the center of the ring allows you to dictate where the fight's going to go. He, at points, was the aggressor and asserted himself by throwing hard right hands to back Manny Pacquiao up and make him respect the threat of the counterpunches coming his way. He 
limited Pacquiao's work rate by changing angles and not allowing Manny to score regularly with any type of punch, breaking Manny's confidence in what he could do, and making Manny throw a one-punch-at-a-time uh, use a one-punch-at-a-time game rather than the rapid-fire combinations we were used to seeing from a quote-unquote prime Manny Pacquiao, or as Gavin and I would refer to, a juiced-up Manny Pacquiao. Floyd did not have any fear. He evaded the attacks of Pacquiao, which came off as simplistic and very ill-prepared for a, someone with the defensive skills of Floyd Mayweather. And for a guy who Freddie Roach claimed his legs were gone... How do, you know? How is it then that he was able to execute quick steps one way to the right or one way to the left or advance forward when he was able to sting Pacquiao with a counterpunch if his legs were gone? If his legs were gone, you would think a guy with Manny Pacquiao's quote-unquote activity level would have been able to capitalize more often than not, and yet he didn't. It's because he fought a superior boxer at the game of boxing, which in its most simplistic form is the art of hitting and not getting hit in return. It's not brawling, it's not street fighting, it's not tough man, it's not guys rolling around in tights on the ground, pulling at each other's groin. This is boxing, the art of hitting and not being hit in return, and there's arguably been nobody better at it than Floyd Mayweather, who took on the other great fighter of his era. There's a 1 and a 1A before this fight, and people don't have their minds made up as to who is who. This fight left no doubt who the greatest fighter of that era is, and it was not a close fight. This was dictated by a width of a country mile how much better one man was than the other, and that's the long and short of it. You know, it, it's funny. As I listen to you talk and I think about... Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a couple of things here, but stay with me. I'm, I'm going to do some weaving. Uh, there was a handful of gals that watched us, uh, that watched with us last night and there was a girl who I'm friendly with who was not able to watch the fight, so I was kind of keeping her abreast of it through Messenger and sending her some videos. And they, they all kind of came to the same conclusion collectively, which was this wasn't a fun fight to watch because all Floyd Mayweather did was, was run away and, uh, you know, and hug uh, Pacquiao. And I tried to explain to them, I said, you know, I understand that. I have seen some boring as shit fights. I, I actually brought up the Klitschko-Hay fight. And I said, Klitschko pushed Hay's head down so many times. At one point, I thought he was going to force him to give him a blowjob. And I understand the frustration with watching that. However, you have to think about this also from the fighter's point of view. He's not, this isn't pro wrestling. There isn't necessarily a... Uh, they're, they're, first and foremost, they're not there to entertain. They're there to win. And sometimes winning is ugly. Sometimes winning is boring. But that's, that's the sport of it. You know, I mean, have you, been, have you been to a baseball game where one team decimated another and it was the most boringest thing you've ever seen in your life? It's still a game. You know, that's, that's what happens when you're dealing in sports, folks. Not everything is going to be wildly exciting and entertaining. That's the nature of it. I've certainly sat through many a Super Bowl where, you know, I, by the end of it, I want to pull my eyes out, and yet we watch every year. My, my point is that, I, and I, I want to get your opinion on this, Pat, and Robert may in on this as well. I think people come in with the, the expectation that if you're paying uh, an exuberant amount of money to watch... Extravagant, something, exorbitant, excessive... Money, 
And, all right. And it's being borderline felonious. <laughs> You're going to get it from me. I'm going to come to Utah. Um, no, let me get, let me get through this. It's something that's being promoted as something that is, that ascends itself. This was a cultural event. Okay, this was something that ascended the sport of boxing and became a cultural event, an, an extravaganza, uh, almost a circus, if you will. And I think then when pe- when you sell that to people, when you say, "Come one, come all, come see the greatest thing you're ever going to see in your life." People expect to be entertained, and then when you know when you and then when you get two guys having a boxing match, there's this overall sense of frustration that I don't think is warranted. But at least I I see where they're coming from. I don't necessarily agree, and it's got me in trouble. I think with one of my friends who was like, "No, I deserve." Because essentially their opinion was, "Damn it, I deserve to be entertained. I'm not. I don't give a shit." Uh, you know about, about about this and that and anything else you're telling me about technique or whatever. I bought a ticket. I want to be entertained. And my last word on this is, I can't blame her for feeling that way when Nick Diaz and Rampage Jackson essentially said this said the same thing. Um, stand in front of me and let me hit you, or the fight's going to be boring, and, and no one will want to watch. When even some of the fighters have come to the conclusion that they, you know, that we need to adopt a sort of pro wrestling philosophy in, you know, in true sports, I can kind of see where people watching this stuff come from. Pat and then Rob. The thing about this is you're putting expectations on guys who are, as you pointed out, Mark, there to win. They're not there to entertain. Okay, they would fight like this in front of an empty arena if the stakes were still the same. The fact that people will complain about this, but will continue to pay to see these guys fight, at least one of these guys in Floyd Mayweather, I can't tell you if anyone will pay to see Manny Pacquiao fight after this. Don't, you know, don't watch a legitimate sporting competition between two guys who are likely to apply what's their best strategy in order to win and expect to be entertained every time out. I think the baseball analogy you made was a home run, no pun intended, because I can count on, you know, you know, a ton of games that I've been to in person, mind you even, where the score was 18 to nothing, uh, 11 to 1, and it's a boring, long, drawn-out affair because one team is totally ineffective against the other team for whatever reason that particular day. And baseball is not dying Okay, this was blown up to be the Super Bowl, just like when the Denver Broncos were playing the Seattle Seahawks in a game that wound up being largely uncompetitive from the get go. A game, and listen, I've watched every Super Bowl since I've been alive. I had no interest in watching that game after the first half ended and didn't. And that's the first time I can say that. Did it stop me from watching this year's Super Bowl? Absolutely not, because I understand. Guys have one-off day. Guys have a bad day. Not every game you watch is going to be exciting. But particularly in an instance where the stakes between these two men were this high, where this was going to determine who the best fighter of the era was, where this is determining both men's legacies to a large extent, if you went in there thinking anything then other than these, these two guys are each going to apply the game plan that works best for their victory, and for Floyd, that means putting on a technical boxing clinic that maybe isn't the most appealing to an uneducated fan, but 
worked for him, if you went into there thinking he wasn't going to do that, then you deserve to get your $100 taken and be pissed off because you had no idea what you were spending your money on and you threw it away like a fool. Because as we all know, a fool and his money are soon parted. Winfrey, do you want to uh, weigh in with some of your thoughts? You know, for a guy who has drawn as much money and as much viewers and as much fanfare and ballyhoo and whatnot as Floyd Mayweather has over the last two years, people are really freaking dumb when it comes to looking at him and managing their expectations. What did you think was going to happen? This is a man who has drawn million-plus buys on pay-per-view for 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 three consecutive bouts, Biggest draw in boxing, probably the biggest draw in boxing history, depending on how we measure things. And, like, I know Ali's a cultural icon and everything, and, you know, all respect there, but in terms of actual money drawn, I'm hard-pressed to come up with someone besting Floyd. And for someone who's done all of this and has the profile that he does, everyone, after every one of his fights proceeds to stick their head in the sand, add their fingers to their ears, and go la-la-la-la-la when someone points out that his next fight is going to go exactly the same way. This is willful ignorance on your part. And if you're going to be stupid about it, you're going to lose your money. If you... Again, I would not pay for this card. I didn't pay for this card. I followed it on Twitter. Because I knew what was going to happen. And it's not worth the money to me. If you paid 100 bucks and enjoyed it, by all means, God bless, enjoy it. That can be money well spent. Personal valuation of the dollar in terms of entertainment is purely personal, and I'm not going to insult anyone for enjoying it. I'm going to say you're stupid if you expected this to be anything other than what it was. Anyone with a rational mind that functions at greater than or equal to 50% and an iota of experience in the boxing world told you how this was going to go. And for some reason, now you're all still annoyed when it went exactly how we said it was going to. Now, real briefly on the whole death of boxing thing, that's an asinine thing to say. It's been stupid for the past 20 years. Has boxing had slumps? Sure. Every sport has slumps. Uh, The NBA has gone through many periods of slump when interest is down. The only sport in America that has been more or less consistently drawing is the NFL. And that's because we're the only country that plays it and we feel some ridiculous sense of nationalistic pride about our version of rugby with pads and time limits because we're all too fat to actually maintain decent cardio hey 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 tell me i'm wrong (laughs) i said go on (laughs) look is this going is there going to be something of a slump in boxing after this i'll say probably this isn't a momentum building event the same way that you know other events in you know any sport, they have, you know, games or events that you can build momentum on, and then you have events that capstone things. Hang on, I would even challenge that. I don't understand. I would too. I don't understand how you can, and I'm not saying you, Robert Winfrey, just in general, because obviously, and you, and you know this from our messenger conversation, there are others who, you know, who, who are promoting this idea of, okay, well, the biggest fight in the world has happened, and now there's nothing left. What what I don't understand is how can you say that in the face of more and more boxing being made available? To uh, okay, hang, let me justify my point. I don't th- again. Is there going to be a lull? I think yes, in some respects, partially because the numbers for this are going to be so big. Whatever comes next is going to be a relatively steep drop off. 
that, that in no way means it's dying. Again, you compared this to WrestleMania. I'd go so far as to say, this isn't just WrestleMania, this is WrestleMania 17. This is the biggest event they could have possibly put on at this point in time. And, again, what follows is going to, you know, not be as drawing, not be as exciting. It's still going to be there. It's still going to do good numbers. You know, free boxing on NBC and whatnot is pulling in fantastic numbers. There are guys on pay-per-view who can draw who aren't Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao. They're few and far between, but they're there. And this is a good time for that. Again, I don't think Floyd or Manny is going to have a ton of momentum because Floyd's making noise that he's retiring after his next fight. I'm calling bull on that one. Uh, He's going to go for 50 to try and break Marciano's record. If not, he's stupid, and he's not stupid. There's many things Floyd is that are not kind. He is not a stupid man. And it's, uh, again, there are guys out there like, you know, Triple G. Uh, Gavin mentioned a bunch of them, and I forget some of their names. But there are fighters who can use this opportunity in the realm of boxing to start building momentum. But this is going to kind of wind up being the capstone event for the last 10, 15 years of boxing. And now we just have to start over. And that's, that's not bad. That doesn't mean it's dying. Those are, again, silly things to say. You know, after UFC 100, which was the capstone to the MMA boom... Business took a downturn. The product changed a little bit, but it's not dying. If anything, it's financially much more stable than it was at that point in time. It's just people who want to be overly sensational about crap like this and pick fights with someone on the other side. And it's again, it's completely asinine. All right, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this in to the mix, okay? And bear with me for a moment on this point. What we saw prior to last night's fight. We had a, a plethora of events on basic cable and broadcast television where you had boxing, and not just you know your Friday night fights level stuff. You had world championship boxing with world-class caliber fighters, guys like Robert Guerrero and Keith Thurman and all these things. And what we saw was, what we saw was a, a great fight from those two, we saw great fights from guys like Andy Lee and Peter Quillen, Danny Garcia and Lamont Peterson made widely available to the point where you have people comparing last night's fight to those fights with those guys. And those guys who were granted so much more exposure, the ability to build a bigger fan base are going to be the beneficiaries here. And the thing of it is, look part of the reason why boxing... Hang on, I just want to say something look. Lucas Matisse Provodnikov fight. You know, Lucas Matisse and Ruslan Provodnikov that was refereed by my friend Benji Estevez. Yes. I mean, when you think about, when people are like, oh my God, this was, you know, what a horrible fight. You know, one of the things I actually said was, okay, but yes, I understand, you know, this was not anything, but if you're looking for an entertaining fight, they do exist. You have guys that are just willing to stand in the middle of the ring and, you know, and try to, you know, knock each other's head off. And that was yes, and... A great one. And, again, these guys were granted so much more exposure going in that you're hearing people comparatively 
bringing that fight up and comparing it to these guys who now are the beneficiaries of such attention. And on top of that, part of the reason why you saw this lull in popularity through the years was because boxing was taken away from the blue-collar people who were its core audience and largely its participants who were built in this way of trying to find a better way through fighting because of the premium cable channels that were the only ones to access this level of fighter and present this level of fighter on a regular basis where people could form this connection with them that they followed this guy and watched them through their fights. Now that that availability is back and it's been very good so far and widely exposed and the fights have been for the most part largely entertaining, I don't necessarily know that this fight did anything but help. Maybe it did individual damage to the earning potential of both Mayweather and Pacquiao, though in Floyd's case I highly doubt it because we've said that over and over again. But I don't think boxing as a whole is going to suffer. Is something going to do 3 million pay-per-view buys after this? Of course not. It's going to take a while to build those kinds of opportunities. But those kinds of opportunities don't come around all that often to begin with anyway. We had once every 30 years at best. Well, hang on. Yeah, I mean, again, prior to this, Tyson, Holy, Tyson Holyfield, and prior to that, Leonard Hagler. I want to throw this at you because I want to piggyback on the point you just made. They're saying that the next up, the big up-and-coming boxer, and part of this is because boxing is so much more popular in Mexico than it is in the United States, uh, by and large, in terms of a mainstream sport, that the next big boxing superstar, uh, and he's making his way up, is uh, uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez. Canelo, as we call him in this house. And, you know, he's already fought Mayweather, and it was, you know, it was as good a fight as it could be, uh, and he lost. Mayweather but, fight. That's really all you have to say about it. Yeah, well, my my point and, is... And I don't mean I, that as a negative. I really don't. It's just, <laughs> you know, until someone can make him do something other than what he's successful at, he's going to keep doing what he's successful at. Well, that would make sense if you're a professional athlete. Um <laughs> But I want to get Pat's opinion on that. Do you think the analysts are right in saying that Canelo is going to be the next the next big boxing star? To the level of Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao, it's doubtful because those guys, you're talking about two historically special guys, and that's not to slight Canelo. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being, uh, let's say, a Thomas Hearns when you're fighting in the same era as Sugar Ray Leonard. There's going to be a one and there's going to be a next level down. And no offense to Hearns, who's a Hall of Famer and a great guy, but he was not Ray Leonard. Okay, he was not Marvin Hagler. Those were the two special guys, much like Floyd and Pacquiao now. What you've got involvement and with the involvement there, Canelo's a stud and he's going to be a great fighter probably for a good while to come. But, you know, to call him the next superstar is a big statement to make. I think... Right now, you're going to have people who don't necessarily follow the sport looking for the next big superstar in all the wrong places because they're so desperate for one to to happen. Those guys are not created. Those guys tend to make themselves based on their skill level and their success. So to call Canelo Alvarez the next guaranteed guy is not necessarily the smart thing. It's them trying to anoint him. And as we've seen, when you try to anoint somebody, it doesn't always work out that well. So I'm going to say no to Canelo. I think he's going to be a star. But to call him the star of stars, I don't think is is the right call. I think he's a star now. You know, in, in a in a look, there's I, I will argue all day long. Boxing is helping, and you can tell by its presence on cable and network television. Boxing as a pay per view product, and I've been down on pay per view for the last couple of years now overall, and in, in any milieu. But um, but I think in boxing, I think they're struggling to find guys 
that can uh, get people to part with their money on pay-per-view, Mayweather and Pacquiao aside. But I'll tell you what, the next one is is Canelo versus uh, Kirkland. That you know, so well, which is, it, it's not a pay-per-view. It is an HBO card. No, I thought that was a, man. Maybe you're right about that. I thought it was a pay-per-view. Hang on. No, it's an uh, it's an HBO World Championship boxing show on uh, the ninth. I all right. Yeah. Um, for the love of God, don't wait for me to find it. <laughs> um, It'll be Floyd's 49th fight. It very well could be, because I don't, I don't think there's a necessarily a pay-per-view on the horizon. I think everything is either through the HBO or Showtime networks or you just were, on the premier boxing shows. Yes, yeah, you are correct. I, I, I was incorrect about that. I thought I thought Sharkland and Canelo was a pay-per-view, but you're right. It's just world championship boxing but on HBO. I think the effort is being made there to piggyback on what will be the replay of Mayweather Pacquiao for HBO for their right to replay that fight uh, because that's likely going to air directly before showcasing Canelo and Turkland. So they are going to try to get people who didn't see that to see it then or maybe people to rewatch it and then use it as a lead-in to Canelo. You know, in his big moment, didn't really impress, didn't do anything to draw people to believe he's the future. But has had great fights and has a great record and is definitely a skilled, quality fighter. So let's talk about uh, the future. And Floyd Mayweather uh, said that you know he was going to fight one more time in September. And now, now the uh, the list of fights. Now I, I, at this point, he hasn't said he's going to fight two more fights. He said one, and, and I'm I'm going with what the man said though. You know, Robert's probably right. He'll probably end up going to 50 just to do it, just in a nice round number. But for the time being, the discussion is September, his 49th fight. And um, my question to you guys is, what's your prediction for who they're going to throw in the ring against him? I know Amir Khan's called him out, but they're saying that Amir Khan can't get into the ring by September due to uh, Ramadan and such. Uh, Some other... Uh, some other suggestions was Kel, uh, Kel Brook. I think it was, it was one of them. Um, I want to hear from you. So, Pat and then Winfrey. If you had to match make, match maker, match maker, make me a match, uh, who would you get in there for ostensibly, possibly, could be Mayweather's final fight? If I'm trying to make the best fight possible and if I'm trying to build for the future with potentially a guy who has the ability to upset Floyd... The guy I'm looking towards right now is Keith one-time Thurman. Um, You know, a a tremendous puncher, a hard work ethic, good hand speed, a good strong chin, very good stamina, had, you know, has built a lot of of fans over the last few years, and especially during his fight with Robert Guerrero on NBC, which was a really just terrific fight to watch for, for anybody, whether you're a fan of technique, just brawling. That fight had everything and a lot of drama involved. And Thurman showcased that he is a tremendous fighter in that to a wide audience. So I think there's potential to be had there. And I think Thurman is one of the guys to watch out for in the welterweight division in the future as somebody who could potentially clean it up. Kel Brook would be interesting just because he's very big in the European market. I don't really see him troubling Floyd as much as I could see Thurman doing it. So I don't, I don't really buy him as a big opponent. And I know that Mayweather's people were looking to Miguel Cotto for a rematch prior to finalizing negotiations with Manny Pacquiao. That would be interesting from a historical standpoint because 
Cotto does hold the lineal middleweight championship. He does have a fight in June coming up against Daniel Gill, which is hardly a gimme. But should Cotto emerge from that, still the lineal middleweight champion of the world, Cotto has acknowledged that he's not looking really to, to continue going on either. And a cash-out fight with Mayweather would certainly make him more money than a fight with anybody else, especially a fight with significantly more risk attached to it at less reward, like a fight with Gennady Golovkin. Um, a, a guy people consider the best middleweight in the world, despite not being the lineal champion. So I think those three candidates are your likely ones. Were my choice, I would pick Thurman. Um, you wouldn't try to put a gun to Amir Khan's head and say, "Get in," you know, I, or maybe push the dude off a little bit more to accommodate him. Interestingly enough, I think Khan does present a very credible challenge, at least early on in the fight, because he does have very good boxing skills and hand speed. He's one of the few guys who could probably out-quick Floyd to an extent. But I, I just don't see Khan as an opponent the public are going to buy into thoroughly. And because of that, it's, it's just a hard sell, especially coming off of a disappointing fight, quote-unquote, with Pacquiao, that I don't know that people would buy Khan as that opponent to, to pay to see, especially because his style is not a fan-friendly style either. He's a classic European-style boxer. So I don't know that that's the best way to go. I'm going to make it really easy for you, Winfrey. I'm going to give you one choice, and you tell me uh, if you think that uh, maybe this is the route they should take. I'll set this up this way. Manny Pacquiao apparently fought with a hurt shoulder, and the NFL... Uh, stop it. Just, just let, just, I, I report, you decide. Pacquiao fought with a hurt shoulder. Uh, they wouldn't give him the ointment, the shot, whatever it was that he wanted. Um, and so some people are his, saying, ma- his mother's breast to suckle on because he was so, you know, scared. All right, all right. Um, that being said, there are people saying that maybe they should uh, try to get one more fight out of these two guys. What's your opinion? Should his 49th fight be a rematch with Manny Pacquiao? Why? Well, I mean, look, objectively speaking, the correct answer to that question is money. But here's my kind of flip side to that. I mean, what's the point? Is there any dispute? Is there any doubt? Is there any... Look, nobody takes Manny seriously when he whines about his shoulder being hurt. Nobody took... And nobody took Tito Ortiz seriously when he complained about a cracked skull and chipped vertebrae and partial <laughs> numbness in his left arm and lord help him he was midway through that sex change and boy those blood thinners really did mess with his ability to train properly look no i don't think there's look we wanted to see this fight we being the greater we not necessarily me in particular though i'm not complaining about the overall fight i'm just saying the public wanted to see this fight because it was the two best and we saw it and it wasn't close. It was not competitive. There wasn't. Uh, there's no. Again, there's no controversy. There's no moments that make you think maybe it could have gone another way. There's. There's no intrigue anymore. We saw it. It wasn't close. And it took these two jackasses, in their bitchy millionaire ways and their bitchy millionaire managers, six years to put this thing together in the first place. Let's not hang our hopes on, well, in, you know, five months, we'll get it again. No. That's just stupidly unrealistic. There's no reason for a rematch other than people trying to bilk money out of everyone. And given some of the backlash, that's really unlikely to work a second time. 
And whether the backlash is warranted or not, that's not the issue here. The issue is it exists. It's uh, it's just not going to fly. It's not going to sell the same way this did. It would be a mistake in a lot of ways, because for as much as this first one was a blatant cash grab in so many ways, you throw a rematch to a non-competitive fight up with these same two guys again, and everyone is going to know it's a blatant cash grab. And it's going to work out much less well for everyone involved. Um, kind of doubling back here, but there was a point that I wanted to bring up about the fight itself. And I, I'm literally bringing this up because I like to hear the two of you rant angrily. <laughs> and I'm going to set it up this way. I'm going to go back in the Wayback Machine and bring up a memory from the old Ground and Pound uh, show. Specifically, uh, good old Leota Machida. He had a fight with Phil Davis. It's terrible. <laughs> One of the boring fights I've ever seen in my life. At the end of it, Phil Davis somehow miraculously won that fight by, by I think it was split decision. He and got he bribed Clucky, and everyone knows it. Let me get there. And Leona Machida <laughs> says to Joe Rogan, "I don't understand this sport anymore. I I thought I won, but I don't understand. You know, but apparently I lost, and I don't understand what it is I'm supposed to be doing." In this, if that wasn't a winning, if that, if that wasn't a win, now you're saying, okay, well, he probably should have. But um, it was when Manny Pacquiao was being interviewed by by Steve Farwood at the end of last night's fight, and he said, Max I, thought, "I thought I won." What? It wasn't Steve Farwood. It was Max Kellerman. No, it was Farwood. No, it, was, it wasn't it was Kellerman who told him he. Oh, Steve Farwood. And it, oh, it doesn't matter. And he's being interviewed uh, uh, post-match. And he says, I thought I won the fight, so I took a few rounds off. And, he's, and, and the interviewer looks at him and goes, no, Manny, everyone thought you lost. <laughs> First of all, I thought he was going to get punched. But um, If he mattered, he would have been. <laughs> but my, but I, I feel like that needs addressing. That the, the, the one... The the um, what's Misha Tate's douchebag's boyfriend's name? Brian Caraway. Okay, the Brian Caraway coast to victory model that I hate. Of you think you're up, so you take a round off, and then and then and then you're surprised when you lose. That aside, just the idea that these guys are in there with professionals, you know, maybe the elite of the elite in terms of coaching and and uh, and guidance, and they are somehow led to believe that what they are doing is winning to the point that they think that they can take some time off. And I, th- and I just, I need you guys to respond to that. How does Manny Pacquiao get out of a 12 round fight and think he won that thing? Pat? He's trying to save face in a situation where he was so clearly outclassed after there was all this hope laid upon him and all this fan support from, you know, you had two camps of fans going into this fight. There were Mayweather fans and there were Fairweather fans who all of a sudden decided to become Pacquiao fans for a night because they wanted to see Floyd lose and thought that Manny was the guy capable of doing it. And, you know, this is typical Manny where there's always been excuses and, uh, you know, all these things that were said to cover for a loss. And this one, he really had nothing at the time. By the way, you were right. I apologize. It was Max Kellerman. Oof, I'm, on, I'm off my game tonight. Yes, it was Max Kellerman. That's all right. It, but, you know, this is 
This is Manny, who has never been a good public speaker. Have you ever heard him speak English? Uh, chatting to cover at the last second, and all he could come up with was, "Oh, I, I, I thought they I win the fight. All he do is run." Despite the fact that they were told his, they said his legs were gone. Apparently, they're not gone enough for him to run, according to them. But that's fine. And Manny just didn't know what to say because he was so clearly outclassed and beaten so thoroughly. He's trying to scramble and save face, and that's all it was. Manny, in his heart, knows he did not win that fight. You can see the half-hearted smile on his face and the half-hearted hand raise when it was all over, and it was a very hollow gesture where he, he was not excited. There was nothing special about that. It was a joke. And that's why later on they came out with this bogus shoulder excuse, again, trying to cover and make excuses as to why they were so thoroughly beaten. Uh, and, and it's sad because, you know, rather than say, hey, I lost, or even if this had been a disputed decision, you know, say like a Leonard Hagler situation where a lot of people still feel to this day that Marvin Hagler was robbed in that fight, at least he would have some leg to stand on by saying, I, I won this fight, you know, and I, I, I don't believe this. But it wasn't. He was thoroughly beaten. The Homer HBO judge who was giving him every early round possible, Mr. Harold Letterman, only managed to find a way to give him three rounds. That is enough to show you how dominant this performance was. And Manny, knowing that he let so many people down, and after being cocky himself with the whole, he's going to fight me, he's going to fight me commercial effort, he, uh, he, got, a, he, got, he got a rude awakening. And... He was at a total loss, and just like he always has when something doesn't go his way, he tried to make excuses. Just like when they tried to not agree to blood testing, the first thing that the camp came out with was, oh, man, he's afraid of needles. And then they realized he had 17 tattoos, and that didn't look like the best cover story. Then it was all of a sudden a superstitious well, thing. Was, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, stop. Because in his defense, I work with a lot of guys covered in tattoos, and then when we try to give them the tuberculosis test, they go, oh, please don't, I'm afraid of needles. True story. Okay. But then the next point was, oh, well, it's a superstitious thing. He, he, it's just he doesn't want to have that done. And all of a sudden it was because, oh, well, he had blood drawn before he fought Eric Morales, and that's why we think he lost. Okay, so again, not being able to get their story straight ever. And just like that, that's what happened here. I thought, I think I won the fight. I think I win because all he do is run, and I, I, I tried to fight. And then, oh, I have the shoulder injury from March, but they would not let me uh, take injection or anti-inflammatory. And it's sad because it's instead of losing like a class gentleman who after Floyd gave Manny all the credit in the world, said he was a tough guy, a tough opponent, a lot of heart, Manny has to go and make excuses because he lost and doesn't know how to handle it. Can we make Manny Pacquiao an honorary Diaz brother? We might as well. I, I, that's kind of the sense I got listening to him after the fact. And look, I've seen fighters run away. Any sport, you can tell when a guy is unwilling or unable to actually do anything, and all he does is, for want of a better phrase, run away. That does not... And I, I'm not entirely sure how it got so confused, the issue of running away versus fighting while backing up. I don't understand how people can be so blindly stupid about the difference. And, I, I mean, on the one hand, I get it. We live in this somewhat stupid society that where the measure of your masculinity is let's stand toe-to-toe -to -toe and punch each other in the head until somebody falls over. Well, that's that's not, I'm not saying that's not entertaining, but that's not boxing. It's not no, even no, no, very no. good fighting. I, but that's how I want to handle things. I would, listen, 
I, I feel like if there's a dispute, you should just be able to stand in front of each other and punch each other in the face, and the first one that falls down is wrong. Well, okay. What's in dispute here? This is a professional fight. There's a world of difference between that and two guys with... And look, and again, feel free to you know laugh at me, but you know two guys, heated exchange in a bar go out to the parking lot to settle it. No, you're not going to see somebody dancing around and landing the jab in the counter right for 20 minutes before the other guy gives up. You're going to see two guys get in there and actually fight. But this isn't that. Or at least attempt to. Fair enough. Okay, fight in the physical contest sense, not fight in the you know, more accurate term. And okay. here you had Floyd fighting while moving backwards. He let Manny come forward. He landed counter punches. And the notion of, oh, he ran away. No, you came forward. He made you look stupid. Anderson Silva, under that logic, ran away from Chris Lieben for all of, you know, 58 seconds. <laughs> and again, it's asinine. And Manny, uh, I'll go ahead and defer to Pat's knowledge about the man's history of behavior. But no, you didn't win that fight. There's no measurable way you could have won that fight. You got well, you know, beaten, and uh, it, it's just... One, one it's of my stupid. friends actually said that. See, you know, one of my friends actually said that. He said... Everything I saw was Floyd Mayweather backing up and, and running away and dancing, and he should spend his million dollars on tutus. And I said, the 67 more punches he landed than, than Manny Pacquiao says you're wrong. I mean, I know that from, you know, from our days of doing the MMA show, sometimes depending solely on CompuBox to tell you who won the fight or who won the round is not the most accurate way of doing things. But when you combine it with other, with other factors, other variables... It's hard, it's hard to discount Mayweather's performance, and you can condemn it all just, you want. Just look in this context, okay? We're in a situation where people are claiming he ran and didn't engage, yet he found a way to land, you know, almost 70 more punches. How exactly does that correlate? Well, that's, that's, that's it kind doesn't. Of it's just, it, it's just people's perception the, being wrong. Right. You can't make the perception. You can't make the, the case that he ran away and didn't engage if he lands more punches than the other guy. It, no, it, he it, didn't. It's a stupid complaint. It's, I mean, again, there are guys who run away in fights. He, Mayweather isn't one of them. No, Hector and, Camacho would be one of them. Amir Khan would be one of them. There's a difference between, you know, outright running away and tactical retreat where you lead somebody into something, which is what we've seen more often than not from Floyd. Well, let me ask you, you know, this, as a, why do you think people are getting on Mayweather's case for evading and backing up, which is what you're supposed to do, and not getting on Pacquiao's case for not doing what he should have done, which is cut the ring off? Because, it's because they don't understand boxing. Those, those people who are making those complaints have no idea about boxing in general. They, these are the same people going into this who think Manny Pacquiao is going to knock Floyd Mayweather out, yet Manny Pacquiao has not knocked out an opponent in six years at this point. These are the same people who think Floyd is a runner and not a good fighter, yet Floyd has, you know, 27 knockouts and 48 victories, and some of those knockouts are against world-class opposition. Maybe he doesn't do it as much now because he's gone up in weight and fights a, a much more tactical style than he did when he was younger, a little bit more athletic and had a harder punch in lower weight divisions, which, again, makes all the sense in the world if you know anything about the sport. But th this is the thing, and it's easier for them to take issue with the guy they didn't want to win versus the guy they did want to win who performed awfully. Okay, um, as much as I would have liked to have gotten some of the other guys' 
from the extended Rattledge and Broadcasting and Casual Heroes family on to uh, join in the chant, as it were. We are running out of uh, live time, and I don't want to go over. So, final words. I'm actually going to go to Mr. Winfrey first. Uh, you had to do double duty tonight. We've talked about a lot of things, uh, things that need to be said. Um, just give your last word here. Any final thoughts? Uh, anything left unsaid? Your burning desires. I heard you use my phrase. Very good. Earlier tonight. I use your phrase all the time on that show because I find it accurate. Um, <sighs> the only thing I want to say, and I'll try to be brief about this, I swear I will, is whenever something big like this happens, there's always those... Fr- those I don't even have the right words. I I would love to just call them, you know, clickbait attention whores, but I think that insults people who try to do that for a living. Uh, these just <laughs> miserable, overly simplistic people on both sides of this particular fence going, oh, MMA's better than boxing. No, boxing's better than MMA. Anytime an MMA event is a big deal, oh, you'll never replace boxing. Anytime a boxing event is a big deal, oh, boxing's peaked, it's going to die, it's so much... It's just the most asinine, backwards, ridiculous argument you could possibly get into on the subject. And there's a lot of debates you can have between boxing and MMA. Debating at this point in time which is better, which is dying, anything like that is just stupid. I imagine you're half... I visualize it like this. You have two family reunions taking place on either side of a cyclone fence. Both sides are drunk and they just want to hear each other yell. (laughs) <laughs> That's what this is to me. It is the dumbest thing possible. Look, there are po- there are pros and cons to both. Both sports have things about them, and whichever one you like is fine. There are plenty of people who like both, but because we live in this stupid society where everyone has to be right about everything, and how dare your opinion differ from mine, you must clearly be wrong, sense of... Uh, I don't even want to call it entitlement because that's only half right. It's borderline narcissism that hey, someone can be different from me, and they must, and that uh, it aggravates me to no freaking end because it kicks up anytime some an event like this occurs, and it won't die down for another three months, and it's just stupid. I'll go one step further with this, and to all the people out there who are singing the praises of MMA in the wake of a boxing event that failed to live up to unrealistic expectations that certain people placed on it, if you're crowing about this, but for some reason failed to purchase UFC 186 a couple of weeks ago, but spent your hundred bucks on this, you're part of the problem. (laughs) If you're a boxing fan who's going to crow about boxing being superior to mixed martial arts but can't name any fighters outside of Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao or maybe you know the name Klitschko, you're part of the problem. Shut up. I that's go on the my last word say, on that. And uh, I want to go on the record as saying I didn't watch UFC 186 because I have no interest in watching Demetrius Johnson uh, fight on pay-per-view. If he fights on Fox, on I'll... All right, I'm allowed to have an opinion. You are. I'm saying shame on you because Demetrius Johnson is awesome. However, I, it's your money, it's your time, and ha- and how you spend it is entirely up to you. Thanks, and I'm not going to get... I, again, my anger there is on the specific subset of people who are saying that MMA is vastly superior, and you're, if you want to insult boxing, at least have the pattern of behavior to back up your ridiculous opinion. I'm still saying you're oh. wrong, 
by and large for that, but at least you don't come off as nearly that hypocritical. Well, what I was getting to was um, I, I have no interest in paying to watch Demetrius Johnson fight if that's, if that's all there is to the card. So instead I watched the, uh, the Klitschko Jennings fight. And, you know, I woke up the next day and was like, okay, I'm, I'm really glad that right now I'm living in a time where I have that choice. Or at any given time, I can put the TV on and there's kickboxing or boxing or MMA on every week. I mean, it, it, to paraphrase Gavin Napier of the Casual Heroes, has there ever been a better time to be a combat sports fan than right now? And yet we spend this time attacking the other sports as if somehow or other we'll financially or, or soulfully or somehow or other benefit from attacking, attacking one sport or the other. It makes no sense to me. I mean, if you, don't, if you just don't like it, that's fine. But there's never been a better time to be a fan and have access to these things than right now. Pat, I'm going to give you the last word, and then we'll do plugs and get out of here. Boxing is not dying. Boxing can live off of this fight alone for the next 10 years because it did over 3 million estimated over 3 million pay-per-view buys, which is probably accurate. MMA is not boxing. MMA is not taking boxing's audience. MMA has a very strong core audience that will keep it alive and not let it go the way of say a uh, tough man in the eighties or when kickboxing was very big and then all of a sudden faded out of the public conscious in you know, by the early nineties, it, it's very different. That being said, Floyd Mayweather told everybody to suck it last night, and I enjoyed every second of it.